Welcome to the Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. Here's your host, Dean Millard. Welcome to the Cannabis 101 podcast. My name is Dean Millard, and it is a pleasure to have you uh, jumping on board the cannabis train, whether it's uh, from episode one last week or you're tuning in today as a new listener. Thank you very much for doing so. I appreciate it, and I hope you uh, come on the journey with us. Uh, this is a, a good show today uh, that I'm really interested in because it's really, really educational. Uh, we're also going to have a lot of fun, but we're going to dive into the world of hemp. Um, and, and remember, this show, it's not just about getting high. It's about getting healthy with the cannabis plant. And hemp is one of the coolest things that you never knew about, maybe. I certainly didn't know a, a ton of stuff that I learned in uh, getting set for this podcast about hemp. So J.D. Netter from Yellowhead Hemp Co. is going to join us. And we're, he is going to really lay down some good information. So we're going to break it up into two parts. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to bringing you that conversation and educating you because that's uh, really what we want to do more on that in a second. Chris Ionson is our educator in What's That Strain. He manages the Nova Cannabis White Ave store. And we are going to do Tweed Balmoral and Tweed Penelope today. So a couple of things to look forward to as we inform you about the history, um, what you, the desired effect should be, the THC levels, uh, you know, what kind of a strain. Is this a good starter strain? Is this a good strain for more experienced people? Because that is the purpose of this show. We want to be a fun educational show, whether you're uh, an experienced cannabis person, and I, I consider myself a pretty experienced cannabis person, but I'm learning new stuff all the time when it comes to this plant, as are scientists, so that's it's so exciting. Or maybe you're brand new. Maybe you, uh, you've you never used cannabis before, but you've heard all these things, so you want to give it a try. We want to help you ease your way into the world of cannabis. Uh, they say start low and go slow. It's it's not just a, a corny-sounding slang. It, it's saying it is something that you should do. You really don't want to dive into something that's like a 22% THC if you've never done it before. Or maybe you're what they call the boomerang, where you maybe you did uh, you used cannabis um, uh, in uh, high school or something. You, you probably smoked joints back then. Well, now you can use cannabis in oil form and so much more that uh, maybe you're going to dive back in. So we want to be able to help you and guide you back into the world of Cannabis. So that is the purpose of the show. Uh, in just a second, we're going to get into what goes well with, which is anything that pairs with cannabis. And for any of the uh, segments that we do and discussions uh, that we have, I try to post a lot of it on uh, social media so you can participate. Here are the ways that you can get in touch with the Cannabis 101 podcast on uh, social media and through email. Uh, first of all, on Twitter, it's the Cannabis 101. On Instagram, at the Cannabis 101 Podcast, there is a Cannabis 101 Podcast Facebook page. And if you do want to get in touch with us, uh, whether you think you might be a good guest, um, or maybe you uh, have a question for an upcoming guest, or just a question in general, um, we'll try to answer as much as we can, or uh, at least refer you to uh, uh, your doctor to ask that question if something that we can't answer, but you can email us at cannabis101podcast at gmail.com. And uh, you can find me, my uh, 
kind of all-around account at Duck Millard. And uh, for more podcasts, uh, contests, information, and all of that fun stuff, uh, check out www.cannabis101podcast.ca. So we'll uh, get going with uh, what goes well with. Um, we'll have this week in cannabis news and uh, an interesting update about that uh, in this uh, segment coming up that we will tell you about. We will have cannabis characters. And today we're going with the dude, man. One of the best cannabis characters out there. Um, do not call him Mr. Lebowski. He is the dude. So we'll be celebrating the dude and cannabis characters. Uh, as mentioned, we will have well, What's That Strain, a Tweed Balmoral and Tweed Penelope with Chris Ionson later on. And we'll uh, go with uh, Tools of the Trade. We're going to talk desktop vaporizers today. And I'll tell you the one I've used and the ones I would like to use. And if you have one, get a hold of us either uh, on the email or the social media accounts that we set and uh, give us your thoughts because maybe there's one out there that uh, I don't even know about. And we're close with the uh, weed word of the day. Uh, we're talking weed culture today, weed culture words. So you can also send us uh, your thoughts with your weed word of the day. And uh, as always, we start with what goes well with. Uh, last week I talked about uh, the music back and uh, I love listening to that dude. Had the pleasure of seeing him in concert in Edmonton a little while ago. And uh, today I'm talking about hiking, walking. Um, now, I should preface, if you're going to go climb Mount Everest, probably don't smoke a J before you do it. But if you're going on a leisurely hike or just a walk outside through some trails or something, I, I live in St. Albert, there's gorgeous trails. I love to get out to uh, Nordig, Alberta. We go to a place called Expanse Cottages. It's beautiful and we do some hiking there. And I love it. I, I find it enhances the sights, the sounds. Uh, being in the mountains is the best or just on a trail. Um, I, I just find it really enhances things. And, you know, depending on what strain you're using, you could have a really relaxing strain. And so you have a really relaxing one or maybe have an uplifting one and you maybe get a little bit more into your, to your hikes. So that's the one thing I love to do. Hiking, walking, um, just being out in nature and listening and, you know, hopefully away from the noise of a road or a highway if you can and just you know observe what's going on around you and talk with the person that you're with and really enjoy it so that's my what goes well with i think hiking and walking pair well with cannabis Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. Very interested in this next conversation with uh, J.D. Netter, and we are talking hemp. And um, J.D., before I introduce uh, who, I'll actually let you introduce um, who, who you are with and what you are doing, um, because I'm really excited about learning more about hemp and um, the the things I didn't know are amazing. So, um, you know, you used to work with my wife, Trish. That's how we know each other. Tell me a little bit about who you're with now and what you're doing with hemp. Sure. Um, so we co-founded the Yellowhead Hemp Co. about three years ago. We've got a farm up by uh, Edson, Alberta. I won't give away the exact location right now. The RCMP know where it is, though. 
Um, so yeah, JD Netter, I'm from Edmonton, Alberta originally. Uh, we started Yellowhead Hemp Co. about three years ago, decided, you know, to maybe get a bit away from cannabis and be contrarian and go to hemp, which I'm sure we'll talk about in detail about why we did that. Um, basically in a nutshell, when we first applied for our license, probably about three years ago to grow the hemp, um, we didn't realize how many restrictions there were around hemp. Uh, unfortunately it gets a, a bad rap in terms of what it's capable of and how it should be, you know, regulated. Um, but basically in a nutshell, we decided to, Hey, you know what? A lot of people are jumping on the cannabis wagon. Not a lot of people know anything about hemp, maybe to the degree that we can get some hemp hearts at a superstore and they're really good for us. And so we dove right into it, uh, got right into working with uh, Alberta Innotech. Uh, there's a professor there by the name of Jan Slosky. He was who told us, look, you know, everybody and their dogs going after the cannabis market, but there's an entire industry here that we need to develop and we need people to grow it if we're going to do anything with it. So that interests me. And so, uh, yeah, I co-founded this with my business partner, Ricky Schendel bought a piece of land. Um, our business model is basically predicated around us being an aggregator. Well, we'll bring in the hemp, we'll find the products that we can build out of it, but we actually utilize local farmers to do all of the work for us. So I would never consider myself a farmer. Uh, they work really hard and they know what they're doing. And so we like to employ them to do that. So how can people find you guys, um, you know, as far as looking into more of what you're doing, and we're going to discuss uh, more in detail, but for right now, um, if somebody was looking for some more information, where can they find that? Uh, right now we're just taking a social approach. So go on Facebook, look up Yellowhead Hemco, and, uh, we've got a bunch of posts on there. Uh, some really cool pictures about our last two grows and, uh, some of the products that we've done with some partners here in Edmonton. All right, we are speaking about hemp, and a lot of people, when they hear hemp, probably like a lot of people when they hear CBD, think, I'm not going near that, I don't want to get high. It's lumped in, you know, it, the, the cannabis plant has so many different excellent properties, and this is just one of the many that this has, and you know... I, Listen, our slogan is it's not just about getting high, it's about getting healthy. Uh, do I like the THC effect from cannabis? Yeah, I do. But I also like uh, the non-THC when it comes to CBD. And something else we're going to talk about is CBG that yep. you're going to tell me a little bit about. And now uh, you're going to tell us the many uses of hemp. But before we get that, maybe just for people that aren't educated, and, and there's a lot of them like me, you know, I know kind of what hemp is, but until you told me, I had no idea uh, really, uh, really about hemp. Hemp is cannabis. And so there's a big misconception around that. Uh, hemp is actually just a strain of cannabis, a land race that's been around for most likely millennia. I think it was first processed back in, you know, 1100 BC is what the first recorded session of it being on a tapestry or something is. Uh, but ultimately, in Canada's perspective, uh, it's called industrial hemp because the strains and the land races that we use to grow have to have less than 3% THC. And so over the years, these races have been, and these strains have been grown for their fiber qualities or for their, their grain production, your hemp hearts and things along those lines. Literally leading up to prohibition in 19 sort of 30s, I don't know the exact date, uh, people were forced to grow hemp down in the United States and Canada. It was used for, uh, one of the main purposes of it was textiles. So your, your parachutes that people were jumping out of planes and using in the war were made out of hemp. 
I wow. think a couple of the first flags in the United States were made out of hemp. George Washington had a mandate that everybody grow hemp. And they talked about that in the movie Dazed and Confused a little bit. Absolutely. And, and I always thought it was uh, a joke in that movie. And, and here it is. George Washington was like, you guys are doing yeah. this. Uh, Henry Ford actually built a car that was made out of hemp. Incredible. And I think he powered it. Don't quote me on this. But if you look it up, I think he actually made a hemp fuel to run it as well. But uh, the qualities of hemp and why they call it industrial is basically you can process it into so many different usable items, whereas its dainty cousin, other strains of cannabis, is mainly just grown for the really thick buds, the medicinal aspect. You're not going to go and take, uh, you're not going to go to Aurora's facility and grab, you know, a small little stem off that and try to make a tapestry, right? So industrial hemp, you're talking some strains like Anka and Silesia that will grow nine to 14 feet tall. And I've got some pictures I'll show you here of some stuff that we grew on our farm. Um, so just to touch on some of the, the major, you know, benefits out of what you can make out of hemp and why people should really consider growing hemp if they're farmers. Uh, the primary one is textiles, right? So if you've ever owned a piece of hemp clothing, whether it be a hat or a pair of shorts or a shirt, this stuff is durable. It lasts forever and it's very comfortable. Compared to cotton, which is as you wash cotton, it eventually degrades. Hemp actually gets uh, softer and more durable the more you wash it. So it's kind of contrary to that. Um, but then also making things like ropes and, and making things like tapestries, uh, you know, any sort of denim, which Levi's is now starting to get back into the hemp game. So that's pretty cool. Uh, and then you have the foodstuffs, which is basically just your, your hemp hearts, right? Which, you know, is more on the food aspect of it. On the main industrial end right now, we're talking plastics. We're talking hempcrete, which we'll talk about more on the environmental aspect of things. We're talking, you know, people are making batteries, hemp-based batteries out of just the herd and, and electrodes out of that. We're talking bedding for animals. We're talking, you know, you think paper straws are a big thing? Well, look at how many trees it takes to make a paper straw, right? When you look at hemp and why they call it industrial hemp, hemp takes 100 days to grow to maturity. That's it. Wow. So in Alberta, that's a really good crop to grow yeah. because Alberta's weather is, you know, well, we all know what Alberta's weather is, right? Right. It's unpredictable. And so it's a very forgiving crop once you get it into the ground, assuming you can get it its water and it gets its sunshine. Once it takes, it grows. Um, the other aspect of hemp that's really interesting as growing it is that it really doesn't have any known pests. So there's, you're not spraying herbicide or pesticide on hemp. It grows, it outchokes weeds, it grows so fast. So you're not spraying the ground underneath it after it's grown. Uh, you know, a deer might come by and test the leaf out. You might get the odd grasshopper that nibbles, but they don't decimate this crop. If you're growing for grain, your birds can be a problem, right? So you get your scarecrows or whatever hell you deal with birds. But uh, ultimately, it's a set it and forget it crop like a Ronco oven. And quick. 100 days, you know, and that's to seed. So if you're growing it for CBD... You don't want it to pollinate and, right. you know, so you could potentially, and there might be some farmers that argue this with me, but if you had the right setup, you could get a couple crops in one year, assuming mother nature plays along. We're with JD Netter from Yellowhead Hemp Co. Uh, this is the Cannabis 101 podcast. And you mentioned, or, or I mentioned earlier, the, all the different benefits of the, the cannabis plant and, and, and how you say, or you explained that hemp is a strain. Um, so let's talk about the medicinal properties of hemp. And, uh, you know, we, we know 
that um, cannabis can help with a, a number of different things. Now, listen, somebody the other day on a, on a comment section said uh, cannabis is the new snake oil being marketed to cure everything. And, and my reply was, nobody said it cures everything. Um, but there is scientific research about the benefits of the cannabis plant. It's it's not hard to find. It's research that anybody can find. So let's talk about the medicinal properties of specifically to hemp. To hemp. So when you're looking at your LPs and people that are stocking the dispensaries and stuff right now, the, the CBD oil and, and that you're getting out of that is typically out of a, a, a cannabis, a medical cannabis plant. They're just growing it to have higher CBD qualities. Because industrial hemp, and I don't really like that word because it makes it sound dirty, which is absolutely is not, but uh, it has a higher content of CBD just by nature because all the THC for the most part has been bred out of it. And so when you're seeing hemp-derived CBD oil, um, you know, there's absolutely no difference. CBD is CBD, okay? And so to segue into what it can do for people, it's a whole different podcast, which I'm sure, you know, you'll, you'll take care of from that end. But from the hemp perspective, a lot of people are having a hard time actually uh, harvesting the hemp buds. Okay. And so if you were able to concentrate that down, your levels of CBD and oil and stuff would go through the roof. So people could grow a field of hemp and make the strongest CBD oil out there. Opposed to an LP who has to grow a strain that has quasi THC, quasi CBD, et cetera, et cetera. Plus hemp can grow huge, right? I mean, you see the colas and stuff you're getting on these LPs and their grow ops and it's pretty amazing. Uh, I'll show you some pictures of some of the colas we had from our farm and you can check it out on the Facebook site as well. You know, they're the size of, you know, small baseballs or footballs, right? And if they're not impregnated, that's packed full of mm-hmm. CBD. So... When you look at a hemp bud, it's the exact same thing as a cannabis bud. You see the trichomes, that's where all the medicinal properties are. And so CBD being the mainstay, and people can call it snake oil, everything else, but you go talk to a parent that has a kid with seizures that's used it, and, right. and then you'll swallow your comment pretty quick, right? Mm-hmm. When it comes to hemp, and don't quote me on the number, but there's a ton of different cannabinoids throughout the entire plant. Everybody's focusing on CBD right now. They're actually looking at classifying it as some sort of food supplement like they do vitamin D, which which we should do anyways. Which is, yeah, which is the next logical step. Absolutely. Because you know what? That That's how I explain. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, that's no how I explain to people that are leery is, do you take vitamin B? Do you yeah. take vitamin D? Do you take a B12? Yeah. Do you take this? CBD, just consider it a vitamin. And in fact, in our daily schedule, my wife and I reminds us, take your vitamins. And that's, we know to take our, our CBD uh, oil capsule or, or whatever way you take it. That's a great way to look at CBD. And, and what we're going to talk about as well is that it's, it's no different than a vitamin. It's, you know, are you worried about taking B12? Are you worried about taking vitamin D? Just think of it as a vitamin. I think it's a really great way to put that. Well, and I mean, and I'm not a scientist. I'm not a biologist. I'm not a cellular scientist. And you don't play one on TV. No, no, I don't. Just an IT guy. <laughs> Anyways, uh, the reality is that you have cannabinoid receptors in your body. And so just Google that and look that up. It's a whole different wormhole you can go down, right? It totally is. But, but a fun wormhole and a healthy one. Well, and, but you're not really getting your CBD from anything else. So when you start supplementing with CBD, like if you were vitamin D deficient, you start feeling different things as in better, you know, uh, anxiety, all those things. So, but, but the one thing I wanted to talk a little bit more about, which is the unknown cannabinoid right now, it's being studied is CBG. 
And so like you have your, your CBD, your CBDA, your CBDV, there's all, it's all basic off the acids and, and whether they've been activated or not, heated, degraded. And CBG is very, very prevalent in hemp. It is in cannabis as well, but in hemp more so. Uh, and basically CBG is only bioavailable when the plant is raw. So if you're looking at like full extract hemp CBD oil, you'll notice very trace amounts of CBG right? There's studies going on right now, University of Colorado and Israel and everywhere else about this raw cannabinoid that you literally get from juicing the fan leaves or the buds out of a hemp plant or, or a cannabis plant. And just incredible anti-inflammatory properties, incredible anti-spastic properties. And we're not talking about lighting up a joint, not that there's anything wrong with that, all for that, but we're talking about, like, let's think about kids here, right? So if somebody has a child with epilepsy or some sort of spastic disease, uh, imagine just getting a Breville juicer and having a plant in the backyard and grabbing a bud and making the carrot, orange, and, and hemp plant, and then there's no problems, right? So as we continue to allow the study of these cannabinoids, uh, I think you're going to be amazed at how that snake oil term disappears very quickly. Yeah, and you know, listen, you, you people that are new to cannabis and maybe new to cannabis since legalization, um, you know, have been probably been inundated with THC and CBD and, and learning all these terms. Um, and, and now this CBG that I don't think a lot of people knew much about, and you know, I, I didn't, uh, until, until doing some research is coming along and who knows what else we're going to discover about this. Like the, it's so amazing when we look at legalization. So the industry is, is in its infancy, like it's a baby right now because it's no country other than Uruguay and. It's barely, it's just another story. It's a mess. Like it's nothing like, you You know, you can't walk into a fire and flower in Uruguay and, and buy three and a half grams or a Nova cannabis and buy three and a half grams. So it's such in its infancy. And, and I think so is our, our research into the plant. And, you know, as we go along and, you know, at some point it will be um, thought of as a vitamin. And we're going to be like, oh my goodness, there are so many properties and CBG is just another one of those. Yeah, a couple more, just if, if the listeners are interested, uh, check out uh, THC-V. Uh, check out, there's actually one called CBC. So maybe that will become famous one day. They all have different spectrums of what they do. And then you, you get talks about the entourage effect. Your previous guest was mentioning, you know, right. the terpenes and how everything else works. That's a whole different, you know, element of medicinal value as well. Hemp has terpenes as well. Mm -hmm. It just ultimately we tend to have this isolationist approach when it comes to molecules and how they help us. But when you start looking at these full extract oils, uh, some people who are using them are going, wow, like CBD maybe took the edge off, but whatever this is, is this is the cat's meow, right? What's happening? We'll tell you right now on This Week in Cannabis News. That is a fascinating conversation. Uh, looking forward to diving more into uh, CBG as this show continues. And uh, we do plan to have some physicians on and uh, some people that really know the inside of this plant. And, and we'll discuss more with J.D. Netter from Yellowhead Hemp Co. Uh, about the wonderful plant of hemp and the many, many uses Um I don't know whether there's, there's uh, industrial uses, uh, housing. There are so many great things to discuss. So we'll get to that in a second. But this week in uh, Cannabis News, and um, this will be the uh, the last week that you'll have to listen to me 
uh, drone on about these stories because uh, starting next week, we're going to have somebody from the OkanaganZ.com join us uh, and talk about cannabis newsmakers. This week, it's uh, the Canadian Cannabis Week and uh, officially launched in Toronto. A week-long series of public and industry events leading up to the Lift & Co. Canadian Business or Can- uh, Lift & Co. Cannabis Business Conference and Expo, which starts Thursday. This is Canada's largest cannabis consumer and industry trade show. Executives and staff from Lift & Co. actually opened the Toronto Stock Exchange on Tuesday. Uh, everything wraps up Sunday. We hope to have uh, somebody with a first-hand report next week on this show but you know i was able to go to the uh cannabis expo here in edmonton and it was really enlightening it was it was a it was a busy two days uh, there was a lot of seminars they did a really good job i can only imagine what this is but i like the idea of uh canadian cannabis week let's celebrate this more uh, we have phase two coming up which we'll get into in a second so it's really an interesting time uh, we're kind of like past the, the first six months of legalization, looking towards the future now, and this would be pretty neat. So hopefully we'll be able to find out a little bit more about what that was, what was going on. But I like the idea of Canadian Cannabis Week. Speaking of edibles, they could be big business. A new report from Deloitte predicts the next phase of cannabis legalization, or Season 2, as uh, some of the industry are calling it, will be worth an estimated $2.7 billion annually. That's a lot more than Austin, uh, the Dr. Evil wanted, for sure. With edibles coming in at over 50% of that $2.7 billion, and at some point after October 17th, possibly December 19, uh, 2019 or January 2020, you will, be able, you will be able to get food, drinks, and topicals, as well as vape products with cannabis in them. The report predicts around $1.6 billion will be spent on edibles in Canada. Drinks, second at $529 million. Topicals, just shy of $175 million. And Deloitte added the world market for alternative cannabis products is expected to double in five years. So, man, um, this is going to be so exciting to see these products come on board. It's going to bring so many more people into the cannabis world that maybe don't want to smoke. There's lots of people out there. And and listen, there are a lot of days where I'm just like, you know what, I don't want to smoke. I wish I could have a chocolate bar. And you could make it at home. I'm getting, uh, you know, going to try getting into that. We've tried a couple of things that haven't worked out perfectly, uh, but it's trial and error. Uh, So you can go get yourself like a magical butter machine, uh, things like that, make it at home. But it would be nice just to be able to stop by the store and get a chocolate bar or a drink. I'm really interested in the cannabis-infused drink market to see what that might be like. And speaking of drink markets, Napa Valley is sniffing around cannabis. At least some of people are anyway. This is a really good article from Esther Mobley of the San Francisco Chronicle. I love her headline. It's a great one. Merlot versus marijuana. It's about a group in the Napa Valley wanting to grow marijuana and the opposition to it. The Napa Valley Cannabis Association came forward with a number of signatures in favor of growing pot and they hope to get the question on the March 2020 ballot. Cannabis is legal in California, of course, but Napa Valley does not allow pot farming. There are apparently some big hitters in the wine industry. They're backing the growing movement. Those against it do so because they feel the valley doesn't have enough room for another cash crop. 99% of the area's ag money is generated through grapes. In Sonoma Valley, it's about 65%, according to the article, and pot farming is more welcomed. 
There was also a worry from the those in the wine community that cannabis would contaminate vineyards and that there isn't enough workforce to go around and wine sales would be affected. sfchronicle.com if you're interested in more. It's interesting. I know um, we're talking hemp today, and I know uh, hemp uh, does not need pesticides, so uh, there wouldn't be anything like that. Uh, Pot maybe is a little bit different, so this will be interesting to follow. Um, I just think it would be incredible to be able to uh, go on a, a wine tour or a cannabis tour. Not sure you want to do both of them. Um, I, I just find um, if you're going to drink majority of wine, you should have just a little bit or no cannabis and, um, you know, vice versa. I, I'm not sh- I'm not sure about mixing, especially if you're new to cannabis. I definitely would not mix them. But listen, if you're on a cannabis tour, you're probably going to stop somewhere and you could probably, they could probably arrange it so you could pick up some bottles of wine for later. So at least the wine industry is still getting some business. So we'll see. I, I think that would be interesting. I love, I, by the way, I love Napa Valley. Um, and, and if there was ever going to be any problem of uh, possible contamination, I'd be, I'd be worried about that. So uh, that, that's something that we can uh, look into down the road and we'll keep following that as we go. But uh, maybe you can combine marijuana and Merlot, even though the, uh, the uh, movie Sideways, uh, there was no hay where he was drinking any bleep in Merlot. Maybe you could combine Merlot and uh, marijuana shopping when you're in Napa Valley at some point. You got a joint? Uh, no, not on me, man. <laughs> It'd be a lot cooler if you did. Time now for cannabis characters. Dopest dope I've ever smoked. Celebrating the best from fictional 420 film. Hey, I am your soda. <laughs> And beyond. This is Cannabis Characters, and uh, just to, to be upfront, that uh, clip or from Chicha Chong at the end, that was the first uh, cannabis weed marijuana movie I ever watched. Instantly fell in love with Chicha Chong. And me and my buddy Buck actually dressed up as Cheech and Chong one Halloween. <laughs> We're driving around in my old K car and smoking cigarettes at the time. And it was flowing out the window. And we actually got pulled over by the cops. And I was really close to doing the, uh, it's back there on the bumper. But he never asked for my license. He just uh, wanted to check out what we were doing and said, you know, people like to rob banks and stuff like that. But uh, Cheech and Chong, big influencers uh, when it comes to uh, marijuana culture for me. And, um, you know, they're coming to town in October. It's the goal of the Cannabis 101 podcast to try to get an interview with the legendary Cheech and Chong. But today we're celebrating the dude. You mind if I do it, Jay? Don't call him Mr. Lebowski. He is the dude. Uh, of course, that's Jeff Bridges, who is legendary in this role. John Goodman. Uh, I dressed up as John Goodman, actually. We had a Lebowski fest this past winter at a bowling alley, and I was uh, John Goodman. Maybe I'll uh, post some. Uh, pictures of that sometime. Uh, Steve Buscemi as Donnie is awesome. John Turturro, Julianne Moore, uh, the list goes on. Of course, it's a Coen Brothers movie, so uh, I know most of you have seen The Big Lebowski. For the rare person that's listening that has not seen it, uh, check it out. Uh, even it's just a it's a great movie when you don't even talk about the cannabis point of view. But uh, there you go. You heard that clip. He wanted to do a J as uh, Jeffrey Lebowski was lamenting the. Uh, 
supposed kidnapping of uh, Bunny. And sorry, spoiler alert, but I'm assuming most people have uh, listened to it or read it, or watched it, or rather, um, or listened to it. Maybe it's a, an audiobook or something. That would be kind of cool. So anyway, uh, the dude, uh, you know, he's writing checks for milk at the uh, beginning of the movie. I love how he reincorporates the uh, this aggression will not stand man later on. Just a great character, uh, you know, a laid back stoner. He's a hippie. He was uh, part of the uh, Seattle Seven or whatever. Him and six other dudes. Um, so yeah, he's a laid back guy. Loves to bowl. Listens to bowling. Um, meditation tapes. Uh, pretty good, and, and it's, uh, you know, obviously a mi- mistaken identity. Uh, but there's so many legendary things, like the this the whole, when he, he, gets, his, he gets his car back finally because it was stolen, and uh, vagrants have, uh, you know, sat in it and done whatever they were going to do. And the great exchange with the police officer where he asked him if he has any leads, and he's like, leads? Yeah, they got us working on shifts. They got four more detectives on the case. It's just like we laugh so hard at that and then so the dude gets his car back and he's driving home and listen to his credence and things happen he's so distracted by the uh the Seamus the detective that's trying to find uh, bunny uh to get her back and he crashes his car so uh, the big Lebowski is our cannabis character today one thing I found interesting there's some really good stuff uh, some good videos out there of of uh, Bridges, Goodman, and Buscemi sitting down with the Today Show discussing so many great things about the movie and what went on. And um, Jeff Bridges would, he would walk up to the Coen brothers and say like, do you think the dude would burn one before this? And they'd be like, yeah, probably. So then he'd go back and rub his eyes. He wouldn't go back and smoke a J. He would rub his eyes so they're all rubbed out because this is the thing. He stopped smoking pot during the filming because of all the quote, mans and F-bombs that there were in the script. He said he didn't want to improvise it and felt uh, not using cannabis would help, which oddly is a kind of a very undude-like thing to do. But it worked out. Jeff Bridges was gold. Uh, the whole movie is brilliant. Uh, the late Philip Seymour Hoffman was awesome in it. Uh, it's, uh, um, it uh, was it uh Brand, I think it was. Uh, yes, what's her uh, Tara Reid says, uh, Brand can't watch, though. Uh, so it's just a wonderful movie. So we're celebrating the dude today in cannabis characters. What's that strain? Let's find out with Chris Ionson, Nova Cannabis store manager and educator. Another edition of What's That Strain with Chris Ionson, who is the store manager on uh, Nova Cannabis' White Ab Store, and he is our educator. And uh, Chris, thanks so much for making it out again. This is my favorite segment because we learn so much, and there's so much to learn about different strains, and I get to taste it. And the uh, two strains I picked up this week are uh, from Tweed. Uh, one is uh, Tweed Balmoral, it's a hybrid, and Tweed Penelope, which is also a hybrid. So thanks again for making it out to St. Albert. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dean. Okay, let's talk first of all about uh, the LP, and that's uh, Canopy Growth, and uh, Tweed is kind of one of their offshoots. So tell us a little bit about uh, Canopy Growth. Yeah, absolutely. So Canopy Growth, they're one of the bigger bigger players in the the cannabis world right now. Um, They've been around since about 2014. Um, Formerly, they were called uh, 
the Tweed Marijuana Inc. Tweed Marijuana Inc. Um, but they changed their name. Uh, they were founded by Bruce Linton. Uh, he's he's quite a quite a character in the cannabis world. I'm a big fan of Bruce. Uh, very knowledgeable guy. Um, and I should mention too that actually where they kind of got started, one of their first grow facilities was uh, an abandoned uh, Hershey's chocolate factory in Smith Falls, Ontario. So that's so cool um, because you're making use of a giant factory that was once very busy. And you're probably providing a lot of jobs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, a lot of people had lost jobs in the town there and uh, cannabis came in and, and kind of saved the town. And I love the synergy. Um, uh, quite often, I will uh, reach for a chocolate bar, maybe a Hershey's after I consume cannabis. And now it's being produced in a former chocolate factory. Yeah, it's awesome. All right, let's do it. So this is Tweed Balmoral. It is a hybrid and it is from Canopy Growth. Give us a little uh, background history on Tweed Balmoral. The actual strain of Tweed Balmoral is uh, UK cheese, uh, which is uh, quite a legendary hybrid. Uh, it's known for its uh, pungent, uh, stinky feet smell uh, and cerebral head effects too. So it's a very popular strain. All right, so the name does have something to do with uh, what it is, and we're going to get into the name in a second. This Tweed Balmoral, uh, the THC level and CBD level, uh, uh, explain a little bit about that. The batch that we've got here uh, came in at 21% THC and uh, 0% on CBD, and that's usually where the Balmoral will go, usually around 20% to 23 so this would be a uh, a high range or a mid range. Uh, we'll call this a high high range THC. All right, this is a, one of the, the my favorite things about this segment. What's in a name? Last week, um, we we had one that was named after a CIA project, which I think is real cool. And, and like I said, it kind of reminds me of how they name horses. Uh, horses have really uh, funny backstories to their names sometimes, and it seems like. Uh, marijuana strains as well. So uh, what's in a name with Tweed Balmoral? All the Tweed names for their cannabis actually come from uh, Tweed fabric patterns or the names of small towns in the UK. So which is this? Uh, Balmoral is a fabric pattern. All right. So I envision myself wearing a Balmoral Tweed jacket uh, with a pipe, uh, maybe a monocle, and a top hat while I consume this. Would would that probably enhance it for me? <laughs> I think so. That's that's a classy move. Yeah, I will, <laughs> I'll start dressing up for this uh, segment. All right, uh, the packaging, I, I find when I look at it, it's it's nice. It's, it's kind of cool. Tell us a little bit more about the packaging from this particular brand. Yeah, for sure. So uh, we've got the one gram tin from Tweed here. Um, Looks very nice. Um, around Christmas time last year, we were getting a lot of people coming in looking to get some stocking stuffers, and they wanted to put some cannabis in stockings. Um, <clears throat> a lot of comments on how nice it looked, and it would it would be, would be great for a gift. Um, but there has been comments too on uh, the fact that it's not recyclable uh, because it's metal and plastic mixed at home. together at home. That's correct. Uh, we do uh, take recycling at our stores uh, at the Nova locations. Mm-hmm. Some of the packaging you can actually recycle because it's just plastic, so you can do that on your own. Uh, these ones, um, you, you well, I guess when the next time you're uh, going to get your uh, next strain or whatever you're doing, just bring them along like you would do uh, bottles and. You're probably not going to collect as many bottles as people do with these. You just uh, go exchange them. So uh, that's interesting. You, you mentioned about the, the packaging uh, as far as gifts and stuff like that. Did you find like it was just insane at Christmas time last year with legalization of people coming in and buying 
um, marijuana or uh, whatever else? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was it was pretty big. It was our obviously our first uh, Christmas holidays with uh, with cannabis being legal. Uh, but yeah, we had a ton of uh, you know, stocking stuffers, accessories too. A lot of like small pipes and hemp wicks and a lot of little kind of knickknacks and accessories for your cannabis that you can throw into uh, a cannabis uh, aficionado's stocking. I love that. It's it's like birthdays, Father's Day, Mother's Day things that you can now include some really cool. And there are, and you know, listen, we do tools of the trade here on this show, and we talk about uh, the different devices that you can use, and there are so many. So I really like that idea of uh, gifting stuff now in the uh, cannabis way. Let's talk about the terpenes with uh, Tweed Balmoral. Yeah, for sure. So um, I kind of looked into the Tweed Balmoral terpenes, uh, you know, hoping to see I'd, I'd find like a, a cheesy terpene. Uh, could not. Uh, I think what it is is it's a combination of uh, multiple terpenes that gives it that kind of pungent smell. Um, alpha santaline, uh, beta caryophylline, limonene, and myrcene are the the four main ones. And I feel like it's a combination of those that create that kind of cheesy combination. Um, but uh, definitely the peppery flavor uh, that you're going to notice with the cheese is from the caryophylline. Okay. Explain one more time. I know we did it last week, and, and we'll probably do it uh, for a while because we have new listeners joining us every week, I hope anyway. Uh, explain terpenes for people really quickly. Yeah, for sure. So terpenes are the aromatic oils uh, within cannabis. So, you know, a lot of people come into the stores and, and they want just the highest THC we got, uh, uh, where there's kind of more to cannabis than just THC. Uh, we call it the entourage effect. And so that's the THC content, the CBD content, and the terpenes. Those three things factor into desired effect. And so with the terpenes, like, uh, limonene, for example, uh, that's very citrusy. Uh, so it, you're going to find limonene in your like lemon skunk, uh, a lot of the fruitier strains too. And not only does it kind of provide that citrusy smell and taste, but there, there's also effects to terpenes too. So uh, some can provide uh, uplifted uh, mood, some can uh, provide sedative effects. A lot of the indicas with myrcene will, will have that. Um, so it's just more than just the taste and smell, and it does factor into the desired effect. All right, let's get to that. What are we expecting when we use Tweed Balmoral? Uh, you're going to expect to see some uplifted mood. I think this, this, this cannabis will put you in a good mood. Uh, it always makes me smile. Uh, I find that it uh, stimulates me mentally, too, uh, in terms of like creativity and even humor. Um, just things seem more fun. Uh, I, I, I laugh a lot on the, on the UK cheese. Uh, for sure. And uh, definitely a good energy with it, uh, with nice body effects. So it's kind of like nice in the head, great on the body too. It's a really complete uh, strain of cannabis. All right. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. This is so if you, you know, want to watch a, a nice comedy and laugh a little extra harder, this could be the one for you possibly then. Or if you want to go out and do stand-up comedy, because maybe you think you're funnier or something like that. Who knows uh, about the desired effects? We should mention everybody is a little bit different, so this isn't gospel that you are exactly going to uh, feel this way. But uh, these are the general feelings, and these are the feelings that you re you uh, experience when using this. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's my take on it. Uh, it's important to note, you know, everyone's got a different endocannabinoid system, a different biology. Um, so, you know, one particular strain of cannabis isn't going to make everyone giggle and laugh it's you know how those terpenes and the cannabinoids in that cannabis react with your biology 
will kind of set it off, but there is generalizations that we can kind of pass that we can take. I'm going to do the taste test. Tell me what I should be expecting. Yeah, for sure. So, um, you're definitely going to notice, uh, the cheese, the cheese kind of, uh, smell and, uh, the flavor as well, uh, with hints of spice though. Uh, so it's not going to be all cheese and there is going to be some notes of berry in there too. Definitely. Uh, you can, uh, Definitely uh, taste the berry. I, I felt that for sure. Okay, so the one thing I know before we came on the air, we were talking about uh, this and, and the dense buds and the bright orange pistols that you should notice. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so when when you pull it out of the package, um, you know, one might look at it and say it, it, it'll look a little bit smaller uh, just when you think that it's going to be underweight with how small it is, but it's just got very dense nugs. So there's a, a larger mass of weight in a smaller area. Uh, but it will bust up and fluff up into, you know, uh, a gram of rollable or consumable cannabis. All right. I really enjoyed uh, Tweed Balmoral. And uh, I'm really looking forward to the next strain that we're talking about. It is a Tweed Penelope. It's also a hybrid. And again, from a Canopy Growth, that is the LP that we are focusing on today. Tell us a little bit about the history of Tweed Penelope. Uh, Tweed Penelope is a, it's a CBD strain. A uh, very balanced hybrid, and the uh, lineage of it is CBD skunk haze. Yeah, so it's a it's a hybrid strain with a, a nice balance of THC and CBD. And and that's interesting for people to know um, because you know a lot of people what they know about cannabis is that THC makes you high and CBD doesn't get you high. Um, this is a strain that has a little bit of mixture of them both. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so that, that that kind of 10% THC too, that's maybe kind of low to, to mid-range. Uh, that's going to be ideal for, for a new consumer uh, or someone that's just looking to not get too crazy and just kind of enjoy their cannabis but not, not party too hard. So 10% THC, 7% CBD. And, and I like that uh, philosophy. Uh, a nice entry-level strain for somebody that is new or... Um, maybe back again. And you guys have a term for that uh, in the cannabis industry. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's a boomerang consumer. So uh, it's like uh, when a boomerang comes back to you. Uh, so you can take a little break. Uh, we have to, we always welcome everyone back into the cannabis world. Yeah, you, you took a break after high school and maybe now you're back in retirement or something like that. So as we mentioned, the packaging, uh, you can't recycle this at home, but you can come in to a, a Nova Cannabis store. They have uh, recycle bins that you can uh, take care of. So when you're going to get your uh, next uh, gram or whatever, uh, you can recycle it there. The terpenes involved in Tweed Penelope, tell us a little bit about them. For sure. So the two main ones in Penelope are pinene and myrcene. Um, so you're going to get uh, a very noticeable piney smell with this uh, with this flower and uh, with like kind of notes of clove uh, with the, uh, the myrcene. Desired effect, and again, uh, everybody's a little bit different, but uh, what's the general consensus on the desired effect with this? I, I like to call this one, it's very chill. Uh, it's an, a mild head buzz and nothing too, too crazy. It's still a lot of fun and very relaxing on the body. That was super nice too. All right, and again, it sounds like a really good starter entry-level strain for somebody looking to give cannabis a try, and uh, there's many, many reasons which we go through on this show all the time to give cannabis a try. Um, okay, so this is a, a also, um, before we get to the taste test, this strain, Tweed Penelope, won a pretty prestigious award at the 2018 Canadian Cannabis Awards. 
Yeah, that's right. It uh, it took home the Top Balance Flower Award, uh, which is, that's a prestigious award because I'm sure there was a number of excellent balanced flowers within that category. And speaks to why it's a good entry-level strain because it is a very balanced high that you would get off of it and different effect. All right, the taste test, I'm going to give it a try. Tell me what uh, um, users of this will experience. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so you're going to definitely, the first taste you're going to notice is probably that skunk. Uh, it's got a skunky, very cannabisy taste to it. Yep. And uh, then the pine we'll throw in there and then light hints of citrus kind of at the end of your hoot. And it was very tasty indeed. So that is Tweed Penelope, Tweed Balmoral. And we should mention, if you're looking at the for this particular strain, um, you should check ahead before you head to the store. It's a good idea to do that, uh, check ahead. Uh, and there are ways that uh, people can do that with Nova Cannabis. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, our, our eight locations in Alberta and our one in Ontario, um, you can find the phone number on Google uh, or you can go to our website, uh, novacannabisstore.com. And we've got all our locations listed there, as well as on the homepage, there's a product availability button, which lists what our stores have for the day, and it gets updated daily. Awesome. This has been Tweed Balmoral and Tweed Penelope on What's That Strain. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. This is the Cannabis 101 Podcast your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. All right, looking forward to exploring the plant and hearing all uh, the the great scientific research that will be done on cannabis. We're speaking with J.D. Netter from Yellowhead Hemp Co., and we are talking about hemp on the Cannabis 101 podcast. Remember, it's not just about getting high it's about getting healthy and we just spoke about some medicinal properties of hemp let's talk about some amazing uses of hemp which uh, you know fiber plastics hempcrete what I did I didn't even know existed until we started talking and you know I I'm guilty of of being ignorant about this uh, like a lot of people because uh, you know, I was so much focused on um, the CBD, THC. Um, I like smoking cannabis and things like that. But uh, the 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 possibilities they they almost seem endless with hemp. So let's talk about the different. What would you call it? Uh, industrial uses is that is that a good term? Yeah, even productization, productization of, of hemp, yeah. right? So let's talk about the challenges before we can get to the products. Sure, if that's all right. Um, so our hemp industry in Canada is probably about 30 years behind the Netherlands and China due to prohibition. So, you know, being a little bit, uh, you know, biased about this, we can thank our, our government for that. Um, and, and not to knock them, but I am, so we'll just <laughs> leave it at that. They, they put us behind in the sense that they treated it just like medicinal cannabis, if we want to just differentiate the two. Uh, and so ultimately what's happened is we do not have the processing capabilities to do this on a mass scale right now. So you're getting these little clusters of farmers like us. Uh, there's a couple other really good companies like just biofiber that make hempcrete blocks and things like that, but they've had to do it themselves. There's one decortication plant that's active right now, as far as I know, that's willing to be publicized, right? And that's owned by the government in Vagerville. 
that's in an Alberta InnoTech site. So you can imagine people trying to buy the materials of processed hemp to build other things, and you can only get it from a government decortication unit. There's a supply and supply chain issue there. Um, so ultimately what's happening is people have grown hemp and they've tried to grow it for the grain and make a dollar at it as a farmer. Uh, some people have tried to make, you know, hemp-based products and there's no facilities to actually process the hemp stock. Really? Yeah. So this is coming up now. We've, we've kind of smartened up and there's investment coming in. They're trying to build in key areas. There's one up in Nisku or Leduc right now. I don't know if it's live, but it's going up. The issue with that is for every acre of hemp that you grow, you can get up to a ton, a ton and a half of fiber. So imagine transferring that or transporting that. Mm -hmm. It's cost prohibitive. So for us, in order to make products out of hemp, when it comes to the industrial uses, you have two items that you get off the stock. You have the bast, which is the long, stringy, strong fibers that you use for textiles. And then you have the herd and the shiv, which is the cotton batten on the inside. Uh, with the bast, you're looking at, you know, very, very high-end expensive textiles. You're looking at ropes, things that would replace fiberglass ropes, all these sorts of things, nylon ropes, things like that. Um, when you're looking at the herd and the shiv, you're looking at building things like uh, hempcrete. So what's hempcrete? Mm -hmm. How do we build it, right? It's as simple as this. You get a bunch of hemp herd and you get a bunch of lime and the same sort of combination that you'd make concrete with, you'd mix it together and you would make hempcrete. So it's, you look at a, a cement block and a hempcrete block and they're going to pretty much look the exact same? They do. You'll see little fibers of hemp mm. in it. And uh, there's just a lot of area that they're focusing on right now because hempcrete has some pretty incredible properties. Uh, one being that it sequesters CO2 even after it's been formed into a block. So think about this. It's a bit mind-blowing. But as you're growing hemp, you're sequestering tons and tons of CO2 out of the air. And then you process that fiber into a concrete and you build a house out of it. And your house will continue to sequester CO2 out of the air. Your house will absorb CO2. Absolutely. Good for the environment. Absolutely. Good for the carbon tax. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, hemp itself is a carbon negative plant. So it actually sucks out more CO2 than it ever uses to grow or anything along those lines. And then when you start building it into a, a building material, you literally are building little little areas that are sucking CO2 continuously out of the air. Um, it's also almost completely fireproof. It's incredibly strong. So you Google some hempcrete buildings from China that have been around for hundreds of years without any issues. Wow. Uh, and it also helps purify the air on the inside. Now, I don't know the science behind it, but if you just Google hempcrete, the first thing that comes up, Wikipedia or anything else, it has all the use cases for it. That's incredible. So this might be a dumb question. Why the hell aren't we using this more? Great question, right? I think everybody who's ever tried to make a profit on hemp in the last four years is asking the same question. Um, mainly because the building codes don't accept hempcrete as a building material yet. Why? No idea. And this is, you know, kind of what baffles a lot of people. There's a company, I believe it's called Fire 8. Dion's the guy who runs it. He's been building hempcrete buildings. But as far as I know, it, you'd have to own your own land and it's not considered a, a structure. It's kind of like if you built a shed, right? They, they won't certify it as a house or anything yet. Oh, and so wow. we're still so you couldn't get insurance for that. No. And that's one of the main issues, right? So somebody's going to go commit a couple hundred grand to build a structure. And then while well, you're on your own. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, no, it, it it really does not make any sense. Are there, okay, 
just to just to cover all the facts, are there any negative drawbacks that you know of for you know building a house out of hempcrete? Is there is there a are there any is there a, like there's got to be a reason why they're looking at it? Like what what do you think it is? Well, I and I'm not an expert on this, but I guarantee you that there's a certain level of vetting that has to go into it. So we have to respect that, right? I mean, we're talking structures here, so it has to be structurally sound. I think the other aspect of it is it takes quite a while to set. And so you need kind of ideal conditions. Again, if you Google how to build a hempcrete house, you'll see the forms and stuff they use to do it. So in our climate, it might be a little bit problematic if it rains, you'd have to tarp it off, that sort of situation. While you're building the house? Okay. While it's curing, right? Yeah. Um, I think they're also doing stress tests on it right now. There's a couple companies here in, in Edmonton that are building blocks and whatnot, uh, just to make sure the longevity of it. Because I think there's a rating, right? Sure. And they're testing the fire and insulation rating. It has phenomenal insulation rating to it. And the fire rating is pretty high too. But again, I mean, we have to give credit to people who pass these certifications because... They have due diligence to do. Absolutely. And that takes time. And the reason why they haven't had time is because, you know, there hasn't been a whole industry around getting them the material they need. Mm -hmm. So they're buying their material from the government-based decortication unit or somebody who's building it from there. There's limited supply. I don't know how much government money has gone into vetting this stuff yet. So Well, it's interesting. Like it's... But this this... This has nothing to do with legalization of of recreational cannabis. No. Like it's it's so far it's in the same ballpark, but it's like left field compared to right field. This could have been done a long time ago. So could you not listen, they manufacture homes, right? Yep. In buildings, in in factories. Yeah. So could you not uh have some sort of hempcrete factory uh like a home builder's like, "You know what? I want to start building with hempcrete." I'm building a factory. We're building indoors so it cures properly. We've got all, like, yeah. is that a possibility or is, you know, down the road, could you see that? I guarantee you there's people in the planning stages or, or proof of concept stages doing that right now. Um, I think you'll see a lot of injection-based sort of 3D printed houses that come out of hempcrete because once it's set, it's there. I think you'll also see a lot of paneling. So if they can build, like you're mentioning, the prefab homes, if they mm -hmm. can prefab that aspect of it but their biggest challenge is going to be getting the level of hemp herd or shiver however they want to do the hempcrete to them just right. due to this so um you spoke a little bit about legalization too i'll speak about the challenges of of a hemp grower and how that's affected us so it's been very restrictive for hemp growers believe it or not mm -hmm. as asinine as this sounds unless we prior to legalization and this year's growing license we had to have an actual cannabis lp license to sell or even touch the flowers on our hemp plants so when we grew hemp unless we had that very expensive license at the time we had to cut off all of the flowers and let them rot on the ground or else it was considered illegal. You know, I think I saw this in a movie. It was called Reefer Madness for Hemp. Like, yeah. that's ridiculous. Yeah. Do you have to burn it or let it rot or whatever when, yeah. the, you know, like, listen, we know there's so many benefits that, that yeah. could go to help someone anyway. That's just yeah. asinine, as you said. And so the, other, the other aspect of it is that you, you can only buy select cultivars or strains that are approved by Health Canada. 
And so in doing that, they're limited in terms of their genetics and what you can get out of them. So not a lot of people were producing fiber-based hemp, which is like an Anka strain is what it's called, um, compared to an X59, which is made to grow for grain, where you get your hemp hearts, right? You're not going to use a lot of the hemp heart-based strain to try to get a lot of really good bass or anything out of it when you're when you're going that route so very limited and we also were forced to buy our seed through pedigree seed providers so i mean the the odds were stacked against us since day one so what has to happen to fix this is the government's got to come around and basically start treating this like lumber or something along those lines it does not matter what the strain is it does not matter what the cbd level is if you're growing strictly for fiber that should be irrelevant right? You should be able to propagate your own seed and just grow this stuff. So if the government's going to invest $5 million in a decortication unit, say up by Edson, and we've got a cluster of farmers that will grow and supply that, don't restrict what they can do. Just let them produce. It's just a plant. It's just a crop. It's all it is. Literally a crop. You know, you don't do this for peas. No, <laughs> no you don't do it for canola. You don't do it for anything. No. Um, so pre-legalization, you'd mentioned uh, the the license that you would get would expire annually, and then you'd have to go through this uh, really yeah. uncomfortable and uh, awkward process. Yeah, we'd have to get security clearances. Uh, we have to prove that we own the land. So you're talking land title. We'd have to give our entire, because we own it through a corporation, we'd have to give our entire articles of incorporation. Uh, you know, like I mentioned, security clearance from the RCMP. Then you have to register the GPS and they're allowed to stop by at any time and do a random uh, test. And, you know, like our farm's a couple hours away from Edmonton. So if I was to get a call from the RCMP, I'd have to get in my car, drive down there just to prove that I am who I say I am and I'm growing industrial hemp. Weed farmers don't have to go through that. No, no. We touched a little bit on some of the environmental impact. Uh, the, can you just um, maybe go into a little bit more detail about that, uh, you know, with the CO2 and, and the fact that uh, I think the the really cool thing is that uh, you're, you're not putting poison into uh, your crop or the ground or the air space uh, for, for anybody else. So let's maybe touch a little bit on that. Uh, so ultimately, when you're growing hemp, it's a very forgiving crop. So we'll start just from the inception of it from the ground up. Um, you do have organic hemp farmers and, and I have the utmost respect for them because the amount of effort they have to put into making sure their land and everything is completely organic, kudos, right? But there's not all that difference when it comes to conventional growing. We might use some pesticide to kill the initial weeds before we plant, but the moment it goes into the ground, it grows. We're not spraying anything on it. You know, you do have to put in some fertilizer at times, whereas with the organic guys, they're using cow poop and everything else to do that. Great, right? We can still do that on conventional land. Sure. But there's no scientific proof as far as I know of the Like, it's not like conventional hemp is dirty compared to organic, right? Like where we, you would say meat. Yeah. When, when you compare meat or eggs or, yeah. you know... Um, Look at vegetables. apples. Look yeah. at apples, right? Yeah, like what right. do they spray on on conventional grown apples True. compared to organic, right? So so once it's growing, right? Um, and or as it's growing, it's constantly sequestering CO2 out of the air. Now, like I mentioned, hemp is a hundred day crop. So if we were just growing it to sequester CO2 and we weren't worrying about it getting to maturity, you could you could grow it up to a certain level, cut it down, process it, and do it again in, in one Alberta grow season. We should have those kind of farms spread out all over the world. Absolutely. Well, if you're cutting down forests, why are we not 
replacing, you know, fields that are empty. Instead of growing fancy golf grass, grow hemp. Something could be made out of it. Look at all these uh, railroad ties that got to be made. Like every sort of aspect. If you're going to concrete, if you're going to lumber, just give hemp a try. You know, build an industry around that. And so back to the environmental aspect of it. So it's sequestering CO2. We're not putting pesticides on it. We're not putting herbicides on it. It's cleaning the soil as it's, as it's growing, right? Uh, and then when you go to cut it down, you're basically either combining it or sycamore, like just chopping it down, and that's it, bailing it up and taking it, right? So sure, there is a little bit of gas used or diesel in your combine, but how are you going to get it off? Till we're completely robotic, that's the only way to go, right? Horse and plow. Let's go back to uh, the <laughs> early 1900s. But problem with, with uh, or sorry, not the problem, but with that, once it's created, there's not a lot of energy that goes into decortication either, right? We're literally stripping fiber off of a stem. And then, you know, like, sure, you're going to have some steam, you're going to have some water, things along those lines. But, uh, and then if you go to make hempcrete, it's continuously sucking CO2 out of the air. But, but then look at hemp plastics. They're completely biodegradable, um, which is, you know, we definitely need that. Look at the oceans right yeah. now. Yeah, so w- what sort of products are being made with hemp plastic? You know, it's not mainstream yet. In the States, they're starting to make like pop bottles and water oh, bottles that you can throw away. Um, but there's, uh, you can make some, like I mentioned, Henry Ford built that one <laughs> car that's, yeah, that's right, made yeah. out of hemp. So the resin and, and really strong, long-lasting plastics as well. Oh, good. Um, so it has a, it has the ability to displace some of the petroleum or complement some of the petroleum products that come out of there. Um, you know, yay oil, I'm all for that. But I mean, there's ways to supplement it. Sure. Uh, and also potentially the combination of two, you can make a super plastic, who knows, right? That's the thing. We don't know and, and uh, everything about this yet. No. And I, I mean, just to end that too, anything that's paper-based, you really have to look at hemp as a really renewable way to get things like paper, even toilet paper, there's ways to process it, but it breaks down a lot easier, completely biodegradable. And why are we chopping down forests when we can grow a, a plant in a in hundred days? If we had the processing facilities, this is truly renewable stuff here. Mm. There's a field, there's how many products can come out of that field, right? Yeah, you can, what other crop can you, you know, like you said, there's not a lot of crops out there uh, and, and that's what essentially this is, is uh, that, that has such multi-use. So we are speaking with J.D. Nenner from Yellowhead Hemp Co. Let's talk about some of the uses that uh, your hemp specifically uh, have gone into. Alley Cat released a hemp beer last year called Alley Jane, and it was brewed you, using your hemp grain. That must have been such a cool feeling when you had your first sip, knowing that this, you know, part of this beer came from what you guys are doing. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, really, when you look at hemp products, you're seeing hemp hearts, maybe the odd hemp cereal, granola, things along those lines. They're usually manufactured by people like Manitoba Harvest, a lot of these big players. Uh, and so in in meeting the excellent crew over at Alley Cat, talking to the brewmasters, talking to Neil, the owner, I just said at a tasting, would you guys ever consider doing a hemp beer? And they were excited about it. Uh, this was to be timed with the original legalization, which got punched out a bit. But uh, so, yeah, I, I hand cleaned 100 pounds of hemp seed just to deliver that. And they did their magic. And like I said, we take absolutely no credit for their brewing process. They are the magicians. They're phenomenal what they do. We were just honored to be able to provide the one ingredient for their sort of flagship hemp beer, or their, their test, right? Um, but they did something different. So they don't use hemp flour, which some other brewers have used, they actually used hemp seed and roasted it. 
which I think really added to the flavor of the beer. Uh, there's a lot of different hemp beers if you just look amongst Liquor Connect and everywhere else. But be curious to see if anybody else has actually gone to the length that Alley Cat did and did it so pure, just using the actual seed and roasting it and brewing with that. Uh, I'm looking forward to trying uh, that out. Is that is it uh, fairly uh, widely available? Unfortunately, it's all gone. Oh, no way. Yeah, so uh, I, I believe it's sold out. Um, and with their beers, because they're unpasteurized, it would only last so long. True. So, I mean... Shameless plug here, Alley Cat. If you want to do another one, I'm happy I was just to help. Say, <laughs> when's round two, and I'll I'll help taste test uh, uh, the product. You guys are also a member of the Canadian Hemp Trade Alliance. Yep. Tell us what that is. So that is basically a conglomerate of hemp-based growers, producers, uh, government officials, and lobbyists who are working to move the hemp industry in the right direction. Uh, a mentor of ours, Jan Slasky, who works for Alberta Innovates, he mentioned the first thing we should do is join this. And, and that's truly where we made our first connects in terms of who's growing what, who's doing what. Um, there was some delegates from South Korea that were looking for some hemp seed. I believe some growers out of Manitoba were able to fill that order. So this is quasi-marketplace, uh, also a lot of lobbying towards Parliament in terms of the CBD rules and everything else. Some really intelligent people on the board. And uh, just as a member, it really helps us communicate with other hemp farmers, guys that are combining, guys that are, is there a decortication going up? What are you building with it? From that, we've seen people build, you know, cat litter. We've seen them build horse bedding. And so it just gives you ideas and, and you know, everybody's trying to move the industry forward. Um, so, yeah, being part of that alliance is, is really what's kind of kept us in the hemp game too. J.D. Netter is with Yellowhead Hemp Co. Um, I really appreciate this conversation today. As we wrap up, what would be your words of advice or thoughts just on hemp as a, as a, a final a final definition or what you would like to, final message to people out there about hemp? It's not very uh, economical right now to go buy an entire fleet of hemp clothing or anything like that, but take the time and spend a little money and, and get yourself a piece of clothing and see what it can do. Start putting hemp in your diet. You know, it's very good for you. Um, and then also support your local hemp farmer. If you see him at a farmer's market, just talk to them. I mean, it's a very personable business, but look for us too, because in the next two to three years, as production starts coming up, you know, don't be afraid to try that hempcrete cement block if you see it at Home Depot. Don't be afraid to put in a, a hemp railroad tie if you're building a garden. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at what it can do. And uh, my final message is that, you know, for so long it's been kept away from us. Now that we have access to it in its entirety, just watch out because it's going to be amazing what we can do with it. JD, thanks so much for dropping by. Thanks for the opportunity. Appreciate it. Time now for Tools of the Trade. Is this this a a dream? dream? The latest and greatest in cannabis accessories. Today we're talking uh, desktop vaporizers in Tools of the trade. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about the one I use, and then uh, hopefully I'll hear from some of you about uh, what you use, and maybe I'll learn a thing or two, and maybe you will as well. I use the Silver Surfer. It's from Seventh Floor Vapes. You can ride the wave with this one, as they say, and uh, I have, and it's uh, enjoyable. And, uh, you know, if of course, if you don't know what vaporizing is, um, just do a quick Google search. It's a little bit more, well, a lot more of a healthy way uh, to. Uh, consume your cannabis and it gives you a little bit of a 
a different effect as well. So the Silver Surfer is a whip style, and the, 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 it's very important if you are ever replacing your hose that you make sure you get a food-grade hose. Don't just go to Home Depot or whatever and get a hose that they use for plumbing. Uh, make sure you get a food-grade hose. Uh, it's uh, made of a durable metal. Mine is uh, red and blue. Uh, plugs into the wall. Uh, they do have custom hand-blown glass parts uh, you can get from 7th Floor Vapes, and they make a whole bunch of different um, type of vaporizers as well. There's something called the uh, Super Surfer, which is, uh, I guess, a bit of an upgrade on uh, the Silver Surfer. There's the Dabuda, a Sidekick, a Lifesaber, Hero Pan. They make a whole bunch of different things uh, for vaporizers, but uh, we're talking about the uh, Silver Surfer uh, right now, uh, as mentioned, it has a, a, cer a ceramic heater, and it also has, a, so you know the uh, vape is going to be strong through the, the glass, and it has a hands-free uh, little clip that can go on if uh, you just want to let it uh, dangle there and grab a hoot whenever you want. So uh, that's the uh, Silver Surfer that I use, and uh, I went to uh, one of the Shell Shocks uh, shops in Edmonton here, and just picked up another base plate, a yellow one, that I can change it out with if I ever feel like changing the color. So it's interchangeable, so that's kind of cool. Uh, th there's definitely some more high-end, uh, more expensive vapes that you can get. And I think uh, most of the websites that I've looked at, uh, they talk about the uh, the Volcano Digital being the best. A, a lot of the best of sites I've seen have that listed as uh, number one. And it's definitely something I... Uh, aspire to get at some point i have used it before at a hockey draft down in uh, calgary one time the guy that was hosting it had one and it's so great if you've never seen one uh just a youtube video it uh it's a big bag that fills up with uh vape and you just kind of take it whatever you want and uh i don't know how long it lasts but it, it's pretty cool so the volcano digital seems to be the go-to uh, there's one called the uh, uh vapor rise it's v-a-p-i-r rise 2.0 uh, the Dr. Dabber switch is interesting. It combines flour uh, with dab, uh, if you're into that. And dabbing is something that I don't have any experience with and um, will maybe explore down the road as another way for you to consume your cannabis. So uh, there's another, uh, there's a few different ones. There's this Stores and Bickle Plenty, which is a more compact version of the Volcano. And it looks very different. It looks almost like a, like a drill with a, uh, a hose on the end of it. So... There's a lot of different, uh, the Dabuda desktop as uh, made by Silver Surfer, as I mentioned. That's one of them that gets a pretty high rating as well. So I, I'd like to hear more about what you use when it comes to a desktop vaporizer, if you do. And um, maybe you're uh, more interested in a little bit more of a healthy way to consume your cannabis. So you can uh, check that out. Uh, as mentioned, I use the Silver Surfer, Surfer from 7th Floor Vapes. And it's interesting, they have a, a, a video on their website that says they had a silver surfer plugged in for seven years. It might be longer now. I can't remember when the video was. They've never turned it off. They just let it go. It just like I, I turn mine off. I unplug it when I'm not using it. I put it away. But they've left it on just to show that uh, you know I guess how durable it could be. So that's tools of the trade talking desktop vaporizers. Bud, dope, flower, ganja, Mary Jane. We all have our own language when it comes to cannabis. Herb, John Lennon, plant, tie stick, salad. So let's explore another weed word of the day. Samuel L. Jackson, the hobbit's leaf, Lady Gaga, 420.
For today's weed word of the day, we're going with weed culture and uh, terms that uh, go along with, um, well, you'll, you'll hear as we go along. And, you know, one of the terms that's out there when it comes to weed culture and getting together with uh, your friends or, you know, just uh, one friend even is called the session. People say you're going to have a session. And, uh, you know, we have uh, several sessions um, with a lot of different people and uh colleagues and things like that so that's one thing if you hear that out there that's what a session is i love this term safety meeting when i back well, back when i worked at global television uh the camera guys would always joke about having a safety meeting there used to be a bar called moe's that was right behind us like literally you walked out the door a step down a curb and you were at moe's and uh the the camera guys were always like yeah we're having a session or sorry a safety meeting they were having a safety but it wasn't uh, cannabis they were just going to have beers so i've heard that term when it comes to uh, a safety meeting of guys getting together and, and hanging out but uh, i had never heard it when it came to um cannabis so i have to remember that uh, the uh, the cannabis 101 podcast will have to have a few safety meetings and uh, uh pre-planning heady heady is one of those words that's like kind of the rare really good kind of nugs or bud and um if you uh if you know the top f- uh, flowering of the bud is the is the best and so that's where that comes from heady rare and you want to kind of save that for a, it's like your reserve um if you if you will uh the term puff puff pass uh, will be very familiar with those experienced in the cannabis world but if you're new to it it's kind of like a a courtesy thing is you take a puff you take a puff and you pass two tokes and go. Don't don't bogart it like Snoop in uh, half baked scavenger. You don't want to do that. Puff puff pass. You take your two, pass it on. Um, and I'm not a big uh, roach guy. I'm like you know I'm uh, really like burning my fingers that much. So I always usually when it gets down to the roach, I'm uh, passing it on to somebody else. And now you probably know the term 420 and what that means and. And we'll get into the history of that down down the road if you don't know. But uh, do you know what 710 is? Uh, this is uh, something that refers to concentrates and dabs. The origin story says it comes from old oil caps on cars. If you turn them upside down, it turned into 710. Concentrates come in the form of oils and resins uh, provided by the cannabis plants. So 710 and 420. And th- there's a lot of people that are saying 1017 is the uh, the Canadian version of 420 because that's when legalization happened and the one cool thing that if you go with 1017 is you can hit it twice in one day for the most part most people are up at 1017 a.m and 1017 p.m most people i never used to be when i was doing sports night and i was going nine to midnight i'd be getting up at like 11 o'clock so i would have missed the first 1017 but that's the day when legalization came in in canada of course so you know if you do 420 uh, you can do 420 in the afternoon if you're not working or have something to do, uh, but most people can't hit 420 and 420. I have done it a few times after late nights on sports night, um, and uh, that was you just get a bit of a badge. You give yourself a self-badge of uh, cannabis honor. But 1017, you could hit at 1017 in the morning and 1017 at night, provided you have nothing uh, that's going to impair you uh, from doing, like driving or something like that. So that is a weed word of the day and that's going to wrap things up for episode two of the cannabis 101 podcast Uh, thank you very much for coming on this journey with us once again Uh, big thanks to jd netter uh, from yellowhead hemp co Uh, we had a great discussion of hemp and uh, chris ianson of course with what's that strain he is at the nova cannabis white app store he is the manager there and he is our 
educator. Looking forward to hopefully getting a first-hand uh, recap of Lift & Co., the Canadian Cannabis Week that's going on in Toronto next week, and we'll see what else we can do. We will have a couple of more strains. Uh, actually, next week, I'm really looking forward to the strains we're doing on What's That Strain. Uh, we're doing Edison Rio Bravo and Edison Casablanca, and uh, I'm hopefully, uh, after the show, uh, going to watch Rio Bravo and uh, have some Rio Bravo. A big John Wayne fan. Once again, thanks very much for downloading this podcast. And remember, it's not just about getting high, it's about getting healthy. This is the Cannabis 101 Podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. Thank you.